This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. A recent Washington Post headline, Evangelical Pastor Demands Churchgoers Ditch Their Masks. Quote, don't believe this Delta variant nonsense. The story about Greg Locke, he's a Nashville area pastor, getting a headline in the Washington Post. Does this story merit that? And how does it dovetail with the generally believed narrative, certainly a media narrative, that evangelicals are especially resistant to the call to vaccinate and to remask as the pandemic wears on. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Why... Is this somewhat bizarre Nashville story worth coverage by the Washington Post? You know, as I read that story, what I saw in my mind was a survey form. And you know when you do the survey forms and they have the little boxes and you're supposed to go by and check off the ones that apply to your situation? That's what I saw in my mind when I read this story. Because you could just watch the editors kind of checking off the parts of this story that fit kind of a predetermined narrative. One that was perfectly described on Twitter recently by the great Baptist historian Thomas Kidd, who uh, put out a tweet that said, it wasn't about this story, but it's very applicable. He said, this is your periodic reminder that whenever you see alluring polling info about evangelicals, ask which evangelicals and how do we know they're evangelicals? And then another evangelical wrote back quickly, but the narrative and the and narrative were uppercase. And he had used the little trademark sign after the word narrative to show that this had been copyrighted, the narrative. This story had it all, but next to the you know the white evangelicals in the South deny the science, angry stuff about lies from government. It had all of the elements. Right next to that, I started creating kind of another series of boxes in my mind of some of the things that you and I have spent so much time talking about over the last two or three years. I mean, so this was also kind of like a check the boxes story. Forget religion, right? You had the entire white evangelicals thing. The If you've seen one white evangelical, you've seen them all because they're all alike, right? And then we have the kind of the media struggling to understand that what one individual independent evangelical church does doesn't somehow represent all of evangelicalism, little even even all of white evangelicalism, or even all of Pentecostal evangelicalism, and and then you had that whole narrative about the COVID wars, where I mean that you had churches that were shutting down and locking their doors and going totally virtual, and those were the good guys, and then you had the bad guys who were rejecting any attempt 
to shelter in place or work with the CDC guidelines, the people who were really willing to put their people at risk. And then they that narrative ignored the fact that huge denominations, I mean, the biggest groups of religious people in America, like the Catholic Church and the Southern Baptist Convention and the Assemblies of God, the Eastern Orthodox, these groups were putting out very detailed instructions for how their churches could get back to worshiping as much as they could under the guidelines, obeying the guidelines, but maybe pushing the guidelines in ways. Remember that funny case we had where the the, the police and the officials tried to shut down a drive-in Easter service early in COVID where the people were like in their cars in a drive-in movie theater and they were shutting this worship service down while meanwhile you had parking lots full of cars lining up for Walmart or liquor or whatever. And so then one finally, of course, you have to have the implications that this is somehow a part of that whole white evangelicals are the problem. They are the problem with Trump. They are the problems with culture wars. And yes, they're the problem with COVID. And it all fit the last box, which was the implication here is that there are good religious people and that there are bad religious people. And the point is that the media get to tell us who is who. That's what makes it a perfect Washington Post story, because they're going to get to describe this person in a way that says these are the bad guys. Just just look at all the checked boxes. That was what went through my mind when I read that story, and it got me so riled up, I couldn't really cope with it until I started thinking about the evidence that was coming out from Ryan Berg, who who works with us at Get Religion and is becoming a, a media source in his own right, doing fabulous work. Ryan, who is not an, an evangelical, he's a Baptist, but he's a progressive Baptist, he's been cranking out chart after chart after chart showing that basically the evangelicals are about the same as all other religious groups when it comes to how they have responded to the vaccines. And they're a little bit worse than others and a little bit better than some. But cutting against that grain is the fact that the group of Americans who seem to be most reluctant, if you're going to try to put a religious label on it, the label that fits is that the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the religiously unaffiliated, are the people who don't seem to want to get the vaccine. And inside the nuns, Ryan has done us a great service by separating out the kind of cultural divide among the nuns between the truly religiously unaffiliated and the folks that are kind of the spiritual but not religious, the do-it-yourself, the none-of-the-above people. And it's the none-of-the-above people who tend to be blue-collar, less educated, whatever. These are among the folks that are refusing to get the vaccine. So... I know I just blitzed through a whole bunch of stuff there, but when you read the story, did I miss any boxes? What did oh, you yes, think of? Oh, yes, you missed one. Oh, okay, hit me. QAnon. It was a very brief mention, but... Oh, it, of course. It, and it was actually made as a 
Well, one of the more inflammatory things that the pastor there, Greg Locke in Nashville, said about President Biden was, I think, interpreted by the reporter as a reference to QAnon. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, we're dealing here with a with a pastor that, because of his style and pronouncements, is probably a pretty important story in Nashville religion. Except Nashville is such a global symbol in so many ways for evangelicalism and for Christian music and Christian culture. It's, some people have said it's the only culture-creating city in America that has a lot of artists who come from the predominant religious views of, of middle America. It's the only middle American culture-creating place, which, of course, that's country music to some degree. I mean, I'm not denying that this isn't an interesting story, but what makes it a national story? What makes it a national story? A Washington Post preaching to the choir story is that you just get to tick off all the boxes of the narrative. So... Why do you think this narrative, the narrative registered trademark, why do you think that it is so popular with so many in the media today? Well, like I said, they, they have needed someone to blame for Trump. I mean, that's got to be the biggest thing here. But like I said, it fits this overarching theme that there's good religion and that there's bad religion. And this guy, white evangelicals who gave us Trump, white evangelicals who are the heart of the culture war, etc., etc., these people are now the living symbols of bad religion. They're also the people, even though they're not, of course, they were also the people that were at the heart of this whole religion versus the sexual revolution thing where we had First Amendment case after First Amendment case, and when you look at it, it's really traditional forms of religion versus the new doctrines of the sexual revolution. It's good religion, bad religion, but here's the crucial part. We get to tell you which is which, and that's what a story like this is all about. Who's smart? Who's dumb? Who's good? Who's bad? Who's cool? Who's not cool? It just fits the stereotypes. Terry, many conservative commentators will decry the media for being irreligious. But is that true? Thank you. That's the, that's the bigger point here. For years, I've been speaking to conservative religious groups who keep saying that the media is essentially anti-religion. And they're missing the point. They're missing the point that major institutions like the New York Times, National Public Radio, and in this case, the Washington Post, they think that there are some fabulous religious believers. They happen to be the ones whose worldview has adapted to fit the new doctrines of primarily the sexual revolution, but a lot of other things, which is one of the reasons why I think the media struggles at times to cover Latino evangelicals. I've got another piece up at Get Religion about that. And also, frankly, the black church. They don't want to listen to everything the black church says because parts of what the black church says fit the narrative and parts of it don't. Part of what Catholics say fit the narrative, like Pope Francis, but parts of it doesn't. So they don't know how to deal with 
with these people who fit the simplistic good guy, bad guy situation. And I, I still think that to this day, they haven't figured out yet that even on Trump, half of the white evangelical world really wanted Trump, probably voted for him in the primaries and are kind of gung-ho. And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those people were vaccine reluctant. But on the other side of the coin, you had the people who felt pushed to vote for Trump by circumstance. And that's a lot of us Southern Baptists. That's a lot of Assemblies of God. And those people kind of in the more institutional, denominational forms of religion, those are not the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. Those are not the people who probably even went to the Trump rally that day. But a lot of them were Trump voters. Why? They felt they had no other choice. Well, if you actually look at their denominations, like I said earlier, we're very pro-worship, but we're also very pro-working within the CDC guidelines. And they've been about as openly pro-vaccine as I think you could have expected them to be. So it gets down to the reality that when it comes to the vaccines, white evangelicalism is probably divided. And the story is that this large, important camp is divided is the opposite of the story that the stereotype fits, which is that, well, you know, they've all got to be denying the virus. They're probably not as vaccinated as everybody else. That's the narrative that the the poll data, when you actually look at it closely, it just doesn't seem to fit. So if you would elaborate a little bit more on the spiritual nuns and how they fit into the, the general story here, and in oh, particular, yeah. why we're not reading in the Washington Post about nuns being hesitant to mask up or to receive a vaccine. Well, see, it's they don't even seem to realize the nuns are a religious group. So when it comes down to saying the most reluctant religious group is white evangelicals or evangelicals or whatever, the nuns are, are this really complex group of people. Gosh, isn't it consistent how complex religion is? You've got nuns who are atheists. You've got nuns who are agnostic. You have nuns who were in the church and have left organized religion, have left religious institution. Those people do exist. But some people think that all of the nuns fit that image. And then you have the none of the above people, especially in blue collar and in middle America and what I, I like to call pickup truck America. You, you have a lot of them that maybe even still call themselves evangelicals to some degree, but they don't function as religious people. They're not a part of religious communities. They're not a part of the disciplines of the church or whatever. And some of them have now evolved into this None of the above, kind of, I've created my own evangelicalism. I've created my own approach to Christianity. I've got my own slogans. I've got my own heroes. I've got my own rituals. And those people are in the no specific religion, none of the above crowd that helps dominate the religiously unaffiliated. But I know he's working on a book on it right now. I think Ryan Berg has done a tremendous service to people who want to see the complexity of this, which is kind of separating the more urban 
atheist agnostic self-help kind of suburban trendy I hate to call it this but kind of national public radio religiously unaffiliated from the more blue collar middle America unemployed working class religiously unaffiliated those are two radically different groups of people and when I look at the figures for who and I, you know I live here in southern Appalachia in a very unusual southern Appalachian situation Oak Ridge Tennessee one of the world's leading centers for science and research and the place where they ran the supercomputer that crushed the data to help create the vaccines themselves but still surrounding Oak Ridge or the hills and the mountains of Appalachia if you look at the data you end up with a lot of circumstances that fit some religious patterns but not others the vaccine seems to have more to do with what are your politics and we've already said the evangelicals are more complex there than people think they are age is a huge deal Ryan has pointed this out I mean young people are just reluctant to roll up their sleeve and get shots and to some degree the folks hanging out in the bars and dancing in the streets and even being a part of a lot of the marches and stuff young people kind of thought they were immune and then there's the issue that people who are less educated have been less likely to get the vaccines the rural versus the cities versus the suburbs is a huge factor here when you look at the zip codes for vaccine reluctance it does tend to be rural America and middle America and then the press is very hesitant to talk about the fact the degree to which race seems to be a factor here and that we don't hear nearly enough about the efforts to get ethnic churches to get on board with vaccines and frankly there are denominations that have done a good job of working with that and helping people but everything points toward the complexity of reality there is no one vaccine reluctant camp you can't even pin that on the white evangelicals terry what kind of data what kind of facts in particular need to be included if you're going to put a story like this together on one pastor to give it the context of kind of broader evangelicalism I didn't think about this until right before we hooked up here it hit me I did a column last week about how complex the Southern Baptist Convention is and someone you know an educator in Southern Baptist circles fired off a dozen tweets in which he said you know everybody seems to when they think Southern Baptist, they think of this huge megachurch, and with that comes all the political stereotypes and stuff. So he, he ran off this series of tweets in which he noted the fastest-growing part of the Southern Baptist Convention are black churches and Latino churches. And then he talked about tiny little churches in rural America versus big suburban churches. And then he contrasted that with the stereotypical First Baptist Church of everywhere you know with the real nice building and a lot of tradition and they're still pretty big but they're not as big as they used to be and he had all of these beautiful images for Southern Baptist life that cut against the one-size-fits-all view of the Southern Baptist and it hit me as I read that list you know this is exactly what the press needs to understand about evangelicals in general there just isn't, there isn't even a 
single definition of who is and who isn't an evangelical. Some people define themselves as evangelicals, and they're not. They're Catholics, or they're others. The word evangelical has become that just mushy and vague and hazy. But the Southern Baptist list, and, and uh, people can find that both at Get Religion and at tmat.net, and it ran, of course, in a lot of American newspapers. If you look at all of these different types of Southern Baptist churches, you would find out that, yeah, most of them are conservative, but they're not the same kind of conservative, and they may not apply their biblical conservatism in the same way. And that's the ultimate issue here. Do we want to accept a stereotype of a particular group of religious people, or do we actually want to get inside and look at who they are, where they live, how old they are, how educated they are, how unemployed they are versus successful they are. Look at all the other facts that make America as complex as it is. So, Terry, what is the strength of the Washington Post piece, and what is its weakness with about a minute here? Well, it's entertaining. It's got to be the strength. And to a lot of people who read it, they probably slapped their thigh and went, oh, yeah, there they go again. The piece is an accurate depiction of this particular radically independent, not a part of any denomination, going it his own way, successful pulpiteer. The bad part of the story is they seem to think that has something to say about modern evangelicalism, even white modern evangelicalism in America, and how that group has responded to the vaccines and to COVID and to a lot of other issues. In other words, the story is just too simplistic. It's accurate on one level and totally warped on another. Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thanks. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Matting. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.